0: Mary showed me a picture last week of uh, when we first started, we had planted a church in Denver and the, the young people, I mean the kids there that were part of the kids' ministry and we started looking at them and here it is about 14 years later and uh, many of them are involved in leadership, uh, many of them are serving God uh, in, even in the nations and so we're actually amazed and it made us realize where will these kids be in 10 years' time, wonderful, uh, opportunity fantastic it's good to be back good to be, really appreciate uh uh steve and johan preaching the last couple weeks uh we were in praying beforehand just acknowledging mary had said something about it being our fourth anniversary as a church we started four years ago and i think it was georgie who said i was only eight then and she's 12 now, and Mary said, oh, it's aged you. <laughs> and so uh, we realize that, that plenty of church has aged all of us <laughs> for years. But it reminded me of a story of a, a grandpa who was reading a, a story to his granddaughter, who was young, and while she was sitting on his lap, and he's reading the story, she would reach up and touch his face, and the wrinkles on his face, and then she would touch her own face and did this a couple times, and eventually she said, Grandpa, did God make you? said, yes, honey, God made me quite a long time ago. And a couple of minutes later, she said, Grandpa, did God make me? I said, yes, honey, God made you just a short time ago. She said, he's getting better at this, isn't he? (laughs) God's getting better, or we're getting to know him better. It's a wonderful thing to realize that God's on the move. As we sang, uh, you are here moving in this place. It's not just here, but he's on the move. I had the privilege of being at a uh, breakfast this week for uh, pastors and leaders involved in the Wilgram celebration, and I was just, uh, I was thrilled to see what was happening and the, uh, the number of pastors, there are about 30 churches or more involved uh, in this thing and people committed to praying. Uh, you'll find on the uh, counter on the way out, there's some uh, prayer times that is just a gathering of people to pray, uh, two Sundays uh, a month in the afternoon, and if you'd like to be a part of that, you can pick up that uh, that schedule. But uh, it was just thrilled me. They, they were talking about money, and uh, in the, a budget of about 460000 for this whole thing, and uh, about 400,000 of that has already been provided. I just went, you know, God's actually moving. Yeah. Uh, we, as a church, took an offering in November and gave to that uh, what had come in, and I think our, our contribution was somewhere in the neighborhood of $16,000. I just, I it made me realize, thank you, thank you for your generosity, thank you for your prayer, your commitment. If uh, you weren't here or you missed out on that, you can still give. If you just talk to Tim, he'll either point you to the Will Graham website or you can give through our church. But just, uh, it just thrilled me to see the, the unity taking place. Uh, someone shared that, that they had asked Billy Graham a number of years ago before he passed away, what was the key to your success as an evangelist? I mean, millions of people got saved. They he said, oh, easy, three things. Didn't have to think about it, three things. Prayer, prayer, and prayer. Okay. And it's just that the heart behind that. And then they shared about Franklin Graham just a few years ago in Honduras. They were doing a celebration, very similar to what's happening here. The churches got together, united. They were praying in advance. And uh, they met in the, the city soccer stadium So there were thousands and thousands of people gathered. And as Franklin Graham got up to preach with an interpreter, people started coming to the front. And he said to the interpreter, well, tell them to to go sit down. We're not there yet. And the interpreter said that and more. Hundreds, hundreds. Come to the front. And he said, hmm, maybe we need to give an invitation. So he gave a really short three-minute presentation of the gospel, and invitation, and thousands of people, they were already ready. They knew what they were coming to. And they were ready because God, the Holy Spirit had drawn them because of the, the prayer that had gone on before. So God's on the move. I'm excited about that. Uh, but not just there. Uh, a friend of ours, Paul Zanardo, who's part of the NCMI team, was in uh, Mount Gambia, which is a little town in South Australia, uh, a couple weekends ago. And in that weekend, 10 people got saved. God's moving. Uh, the words that uh, Johan shared and Steve followed up last week about Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the gates, was a story of basically that we're all ministers. We get the privilege of being ministers, and Johan made the statement about each one standing in their place, doing their part. And there's something of an army that God is raising up, and uh, Ezekiel 37, we've read it many times. It's a story of the dry bones. But uh, they, eventually the prophet prophesied to the dry bones, verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. That's what God's doing. God's on the move, raising up. An exceedingly great army. Revelations five ten follows this same thing up with a different concept and says that and have he's made us kings and priests, or a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. Priests were ministers. And so, what God is doing, we get to be a part of. This is probably the most exciting time in church history. And we get to be a part of this. So I want to talk about partnering with God or effective kingdom ministry. Last year, we talked about the kingdom. The kingdom's different than the world. We talked about kingdom relationships, kingdom finances, all leading up to effective kingdom ministry. And so that's really what, uh, what we want to focus on for the next few weeks. Part of my mandate from God is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we wanna do that. Well, let me say this first though. Kingdom ministry or partnering with God is probably the most incredible privilege and adventure that we could ever have. Talk about living a life of value. Kingdom ministry has eternal consequences. When you get to introduce someone to Jesus, that changes their eternity. When you get to see lives and families transformed, you see new legacy for generations in families. When you have the privilege of praying for someone and God heals them or delivers them, that can change their whole life and lead to a presentation of the gospel. Do you want to have an impact with your life? How many of us think, I want my life to have meaning, purpose. I've got to find my purpose. I'm telling you your purpose. is to partner with God. I'm telling you, if you're a young person, don't get distracted by everything else that the world tells you will give you purpose and meaning. The greatest thing is partnering with God for kingdom ministry. Kind of as an introduction to this series, I want to just give you an introduction, and that's this. That partnering with God, or kingdom ministry, has three parts. And we need all three. So if you could use your imagination, if this circle, if I had a big whiteboard, I'd draw a circle. If this circle is partnering with God, it's our involvement in ministry. There's three parts to that that make up that circle. And we need all three. Now you're saying, what are the three? Good question. Because I'm going to tell you. Just keep that picture in mind because that's gonna, we're going to uh, approach these three parts over the next few weeks in this series. But I want to give you the introduction first. The first part is relationship or intimacy with God. That's where it starts. Mark 3, 14. It's on the board already, isn't it? You guys are so quick. This is the story of Jesus. Uh, All these people gather to Jesus and he calls them and then he points 12 that were to be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal the sick and to cast out demons, the first call was to be with him. Everything else flows out of that. Too often we're so focused on, what does God want me to do, the first thing He wants you to do is to be with Him. Mary said to me the other day that uh, after Johann's preach about everyone standing in their place, she was saying, "God, am I in the right place? Am I standing in my place?" And she was praying, and the Holy Spirit said to her, just stand before me. Everything flows from that. The place of relationship and intimacy. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. Let's talk about relationship. John 10, 27. It says, And my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's something about relationship. Galatians 5:16 basically says, walk in the Spirit. Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the Spirit. There's something of relationship. Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It so says, walk according to the Spirit. And then one more, Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. All these scriptures talk about something of relationship and intimacy. We could spend a whole time talking about that, and we will in the weeks to come. But that's not the whole picture. We have to have relationship and intimacy. But we also have to have truth. Belief, revelation. John 8, 32. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Psalm 119, 160. Your word is truth. The entirety of your word is truth. Luke 24, 45. Says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. There's something of understanding. Proverbs 4:7. Wisdom is is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. One more, John 16, 13. This was, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. There is this relationship part of intimacy and hearing God's voice, being led by the spirit. And then there's this part of understanding and knowing truth. What are those two? Spirit and word. Word. Fully word, fully spirit. Johann referred to it as he was making his announcement about activate. We want to be full of the spirit, led by the spirit, but we also have to have the truth of the word. If we don't believe something, it's very hard for us to hear God ask us to do something. I'll get to that in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. Third part. For those of you who are wanting to keep your notes online is obedience or response. For us to partner with God, we need relationship, we need truth, and then we need to obey. 1 Peter 1, 1.2 says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God and sanctification for, for obedience. Forget all of those other stuff. It actually says elect or called for obedience called that we might obey. Obedience doesn't earn our salvation. That's done in Jesus. But obedience is part of us partnering with God for the advancement of his kingdom, for ministry. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. That's a scary scripture. There's a few scriptures that scare me, and that's one of them. Because if we don't do the word, the truth that we know, we can quickly become deceived. Mm. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus says this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Doesn't mean he's just gonna know my word, he's gonna keep it. So let me give you a couple of examples of all this together. I want to talk just briefly about some examples. Prophecy is one. Now, if you don't believe that God speaks today, it's very tough to hear God say a word for somebody. Right? You can have relationship, but if you don't have truth as well, but if you only have truth, if you believe God speaks today, but you don't have relationship, you're not hearing his voice, what are you going to declare? Out of your own heart. Ezekiel 16 talks about prophets who prophesy out of their own heart because they don't have relationship. But if you believe that God speaks today and you hear God say he wants to speak to Tim, but you don't actually obey, nothing happens. Right? Pretty simple. This is not rocket science. Okay, it comes down to understanding truth, who God is, what he's doing, relationship, being led by the Spirit and hearing his voice, and then our, just our response. Let's apply it to healing. If you don't believe God heals today, it's very tough for you to hear God say that he wants to heal Someone, right? He could be saying that, but you've got a block in your brain because of the lack of truth. You don't believe that God actually does that today, or you're unaware that He does. If you're aware and He speaks and you respond, then God is free to manifest Himself. The manifestations of the Spirit activate. Those of you who haven't been part of that, let me encourage you. It's a great thing. You need to hear the the word, the truth about God moving today. He wants to manifest his spirit through all the manifestations in every believer. If you believe that you only get one and none of the rest and that this one is, is yours, but God can't use you in any others, it's hard for you to hear God say something different. But he does. But when you believe that and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you still have to respond. Are you still with me? <sighs> big, big introduction. Let me apply this to faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Is that the word of God, logos? Is that the voice of God, rhema? Faith comes by hearing. There's something about, it's both. Having a right concept of God and hearing his voice that causes faith to rise up and then faith that rises up results in obedience. You still with me? Are you getting the picture? Yes. I, I'm laboring this because this is the foundation of what we're going to do over the next few weeks. Can you say the faith thing again? Can I say the faith thing again? I can. The Word and the Spirit faith to rise up. There you go. <laughs> having the right uh, concept Truth, having the right concept of God, having a right understanding, uh, that, which is the Word. Again. God's at work today. God's moving today. If I don't believe that, it's hard to have faith that God's doing something. But if I believe that, that's the truth. But that's not relationship. That's the truth. But on into that comes relationship and God speaks rhema. He's not just moving today, but I want to actually do this through you and then you respond. You can have the belief, and you can hear the word of God, but if you don't respond, there's no ministry taking place. What happens if you don't have relationship, and you only have truth and response? You can become very legalistic, it becomes very much principle. It has to be this way every time. And I'm, I'm working hard at making sure that happens. What happens if you don't have truth, but you have something of the Spirit and your response? You can get off base. You can hear God say weird things. Not that God says weird things. But see, our response is always a mixture of the Spirit and us. The Spirit works through us. And so there is this uh, almost a spectrum of what is the pure spirit on one side and what is the flesh on the other, okay? The other end of the spectrum is not the devil. That's a whole different spirit. But when God works in us, there's something of the spirit and us together and he works through us and so often what's in us comes out as well. How we say something. Just because we say it a little bit wrong because we aren't very articulate or because we have a different theological background, doesn't mean God didn't speak. And so what do we say? The more of it that is the spirit, and the less of it that is the flesh, we call greater anointing. It's not any more of the spirit. It's just a little bit less of us. Why does God choose to use us? I have no clue. Well, actually I do, but that's a whole whole long explanation. But he's chosen to manifest himself through us. He's chosen to raise up an army. He's chosen to make us a kingdom of priests. He says, my plan for this planet is going to be fulfilled through these people that I'm filling with my spirit. Wow, I get excited. So what happened this morning? We had a time of worship. Entering God's presence and into that, God began to speak. Prophetic word about our destiny. About God's plan for us. And then a word of knowledge about God touching people and healing. If you don't believe God heals, it's hard for you to have a word of knowledge that God wants to heal someone's back. Right? So you need to go back to the Word and say, hey, what does the Word actually say? Is God still working today? If you've got this idea that God was like a, the watchmaker, you know, who started, started everything and then sat back and just let it go and doesn't intervene, there's no involvement of God, then you need to change your thinking. Because that's not really what the Bible says. Unfortunately, we, we hear a lot of things that isn't actually biblical. But if you believe that God does something but you're not in a place of hearing him, it's hard for him to use you. Okay, you still with me? So what does this mean for us? How do we, uh, in an introduction to a series, have an application? And it's this. Let me ask you as lovingly as I can this morning. Are you all in for God? He's on the move. Are you on the move with him? Not just are you committed to him, but are you partnering with him for his purposes? That's the question for you this morning. Next few months, will provide many opportunities to be connected and equipped. We've talked about the last couple of weeks, our connect groups. There's opportunities for you to get connected as a body. Activate is an opportunity for you to be equipped. Or Tommy's gonna to do a class on apologetics is, is an opportunity. Michael's gonna do again the uh, living free. Opportunities for you to be uh, connected and equipped. Steve shared the Christian Life and Witness course for the uh, Will Graham celebration. It's an opportunity for you to be equipped. It's a requirement to be a counselor at the uh, actual outreach celebration. It's not a requirement to just be a volunteer like helping to park cars and stuff. But that's, that'll be an opportunity as well. So not only will there be opportunities to be connected and equipped, there'll be a lot of opportunities to serve and to minister. Obviously, here at church, you saw the, uh, the teachers go out with the kids. That's just an opportunity. The guys who set up, there's all kinds of opportunities. The ARC Community Project, doing the, the deal at the uh, ARC, which is uh, the... 19th and 26th of March you can volunteer as far as working you can volunteer as far as uh, helping with the meals cooking and and helping provide those are opportunities the Will Graham celebration itself hundreds of volunteers are needed Uh, there's packing of bags and there's cleaning and there's parking cars and there's zillions of things that need to be done Uh, this I'm excited because it's going to be an impact on our city It hit me during the uh, breakfast this week that the people involved from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, this is their job. They've, They've got a commitment to the gospel. They're gonna come, but when the celebration ends on the 29th of May, they're finished, they're gone, on to the next one. But we're still here. How exciting if hundreds of people have been equipped on how to share the gospel and introduce people to Jesus, who hadn't known that before. That's what's left. As we were praying in our home group the other day, someone had a picture of a snowball rolling down a hill, and then it, as we were praying, it kind of morphed into a wave, little wave building into a bigger wave, the same type thing. But the event, the Will Graham uh, celebration is not the end. God's on the move raising up an awareness in his church in the city for the lost. And that will continue if we're prepared. If we look at something as the end, but are we saying, okay, God, here I am I. Use me. When Isaiah met with God, Isaiah chapter 6, he saw his holiness. He saw his greatness. And then when God said, who will I send? Who will go for me? He said, here am I. I want to ask you, are you available to God? You don't have to do everything. That's not God's expectation. But you get to do what he asked you to. It's not even you have to. This is not about your salvation. Salvation is from Jesus. He has removed our sin. And as we respond to him, it's all of grace. That's salvation. But then partnering with him for ministry to see his kingdom extended is our privilege. But that requires us to have no truth, be filled with the Spirit, and walk in obedience. When I uh, before I actually moved back here again, I was visiting. My kids live in a, a suburb, what is now a suburb of Melbourne, called Berwick. Uh, a number of years ago, it was just a little kind of country town. I say that because it was—it's far enough out that it still had, it still came under the covering of the country fire service, which meant that all the firefighters were volunteers. Uh, as opposed to in Melbourne, the Metropolitan Fire Service are all uh, paid firefighters, but the country. And uh, while we were there, there was this siren that went off. And I had no clue what it was. What is that? It scared me. My son said, oh, that's the uh, fire siren. And I went, is there a fire? He said, yeah, that's a call for all the volunteers. And so what happens when that siren goes off is everyone who are volunteer firefighters drops what they're doing. And they rush to the fire station for the equipment to go fight the fire. It was a way of saying, something's happening. In the Old Testament, they didn't have an alarm like that, but they had a trumpet sound. Okay, now the trumpet wasn't our kind of trumpet, it wasn't a musical instrument. It didn't have a whole lot of notes. It simply was a call to gather or a warning. It was saying something's happening. I'm gonna ask you if you'd stand. I'm gonna ask the the worship team if they'd come. We're gonna finish with a song in a second. But I sense in my heart that there's something of God saying, it's time to rise up. I'm going to ask you to to close your eyes so you're not distracted. Now, in a throwback to the Old Testament trumpet, I've asked Lance if he would bring, he's got an old ram's horn trumpet, called the shofar. it's not anything special, it's what they had. It wasn't a, a musical instrument. But I just feel like there's something of God calling us. Now if I could, I would ask you, keep, keep your eyes closed, I don't want you to get distracted. If I could, I would ask you to take a step forward in response to God's call. Are you all in for God? Are you willing to be a part of what he's doing? You can't do that because there's chairs in front of you. But it really comes down to a heart thing. So in a very real sense, can you say, I'm responding, God, by taking a step forward in my heart? I'm gonna ask Lance to just give us one blast of that and then we're gonna go into uh, worship. But let, let there be something that God does in you that I, here am I, send me.